Joe. This is David back again with another episode of the Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 130, and it's a themed episode. Um, <clears throat> my voice is still not 100% back, which surprises me. It's been quite a while now since it started going on me. But whatever, still going. Uh, this one... Like I said, themed episode, kind of excited about this one. I have more songs, but some of the songs are a bit shorter, uh, so it might still kind of balance out to being about the uh, length of a, of a normal episode, I think. That's the plan, at least. The theme for this one is going to be bands from South America, and uh, so every band on the list will be South American, uh, kind of traverses across different styles we got some thrash bands here some more like just full-on death metal full-on black metal um yeah they've got a pretty vibrant um appreciation for metal down there and um you know brazil especially is one country where i would see some very big bands from europe or germany places like that <clears throat> that would go on south american tours and just play in these massive stadiums and stuff like iron maiden especially you know i mean they go down <laughs> They go down to Rio, of course. That's always kind of the famous one when he says, Scream for me, Rio, you know, Rio de Janeiro, when they're at Rock and Rio playing in front of just an insane amount of people. But they really do have a, a good appreciation for metal down there and uh, extreme metal, especially. And I know, I know I've talked about this before, but like, <clears throat> forgive me for clearing my throat so much. But yeah, like. Latin American countries, you know, tend to be pretty uh, strictly Catholic, uh, very religious and things like that. So whenever these bands decide to do extreme metal and they want to rebel against that, they tend to, like, take it to the absolute maximum. So a lot of the lyrical content for these bands is always very um, outwardly anti-Christian and just basically they want to just sing about anything that's going to offend the hell out of the status quo <laughs> in, in their country. So yeah, I get it. Sometimes it's a bit comical with how over the top it is uh, with some of these band names and song titles and stuff like that, but I, I get it at least, you know what I mean? Alright, we're going to start off. This is one that I first heard on Radio Fenris years ago. The band's called Ripper from Chile, and it's a four-piece that's been going since 2007. And they've only released two records up to this point, one in 2014 and one in 2016, but they did do an EP in 2019, and I think they just participated in a split uh, this past year, actually, so they're still going, uh, there just hasn't been much action in terms of full-length albums uh, in recent years. But I'm going to play something off of the debut, it's the first one that I've heard from them, um, so there's a little nostalgia there. <clears throat> but they're a great thrash band. There's some more extreme elements in there other than just playing thrash. Um, but at the root of it, it is a thrash band. But this debut album is called Raising the Corpse, and that came out in 2014 through Underground Defenders Productions. And it's great. Um, I really enjoyed it when I heard it on Radio Fenris, and it made me go check out more of their stuff. And, uh, and I'm a fan ever since. So. so here we go. Off of Raising the Corpse, this is Ripper with Dark Light.
All right. That was Ripper from Chile with Dark Light. I definitely get some very early creator vibes, uh, like Creator's debut album. I get that same type of vibe from them. Um, all right, we're going to Sao Paulo, Brazil for this next one. It's a five-piece thrash band. They've been going since 98. They're called Blast Thrash, and they are very much inspired by, not like crossover stuff per se, but more of the um, party style of thrash, I guess. There's a lot of gang vocals and chants that co- come in there, kind of similar to like older uh, Exodus albums and things like that and uh kind of you get a little bit of a municipal waste vibe from them a little bit but um but yeah they've only put out a couple of albums like i said they've been going since 98 they've only put out two or three uh they did a split in 2015 they're still active as far as i can tell but uh, i'm gonna play something off of their second album from 2008 called violence just for fun and that should give you a pretty good clue as to what type of thrash band we're looking at here Like I said, it's not quite crossover stuff, but it's uh, definitely more in that kind of party vein, I guess. But, um, yeah, this album came out in 2008 through Mutilation Productions, and I'm actually going to play the title track off of this one just because it has some good good gang vocals. But really, at the heart of it all, there's just excellent riffing. Um, That's kind of a must in thrash, you know, with with other genres and subgenres. You can kind of go for more of an atmosphere, and there's less focus on the actual guitar riff itself and more about the mood it creates and things like that but with uh, a genre like thrash it's all about the riffs man you got to have some tasty riffs and they have some good ones here so here we go off of 2008's violence just for fun this is blast thrash from brazil with violence just for fun
All right, there we go. That was Blast Thrash from Brazil with Violence Just for Fun. And that is a fun record, all in all. Some really good riffing there, and uh, you can definitely hear some influences from bands like Exodus, like I said. Uh, all right, we're staying in Brazil here for the next few, honestly. <clears throat> um, this band officially called it quits in 2000, but they formed in 85, and they were actually pretty influential on some of the early 90s uh, black metal bands, those that were kind of in the know, at least. That band is Sarcophago. And their debut album from 87, which was INRI, which of course is the abbreviation for the uh, inscription on Christ's cross. Um, that debut album from 87 really influenced a lot of people because of just how primitive and raw it was. I mean, it's still at the heart of it was a thrash album. It was just filthy, though. Like, the production, the performances themselves were sloppy, but not so much so that it was just unlistenable. But I think just that kind of off-the-rails approach uh, really kind of hit home for for some of the bands in Scandinavia in the early 90s and such that kind of went for a similar um, approach just with a little more darkness added to it but <clears throat> being the contrarian that I am I always liked the second record a little better which was the laws of scourge and that came out in 91 I want to say but um, the performances were tighter it just had more of a mood to it. It seemed more just thought out and cohesive. The other one seemed a little more, we have these songs, let's just go in the studio and record them, and it's just, it was just chaos on tape, you know. Um, but some people prefer that, I guess, but I liked uh, a little bit more thought out song structures and the performances were a little tighter, but it still kind of had that rawness to it. Um, so I like that record a lot, but there's this kind of transitional release that they did in 89, August of 89. It was an EP called Rotting, and because they had albums in 87, 91, 94, and 96. And honestly, I couldn't even tell you what the ones from 94 and 96 are called. Um, they don't tend to get much focus. But I tend to forget about this EP as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the reason I'm clearing my throat so much is because I'm recording this in the morning. Normally I'm tracking this at the end of the night, but I fell asleep. So I just did not do it last night. <laughs> so I'm recording this on Saturday morning. So voice is still warming up I guess but yes this rotting EP really kind of um, helped them transition from just being pure primitive chaos to a little bit more structured and uh, and kind of settled down a little bit and uh, I think this is the perfect balance between the two on this EP the songs are great the production suits the music perfectly and uh, it really served as a good transition to the next full length um, that came out in 91 so here we go off of the rotting EP from 1989, this is Brazil's Sarcophago with Sex, Drinks, and Metal. <laughs> Thank you. 
There we go. That was Sarcophago from Brazil with Sex, Drinks, and Metal. Yeah, it's funny because that still sounds pretty chaotic, but the fact that that's less chaotic than the debut should really tell you something. <laughs> but uh, that's a great EP. Um, all right, we're going back to Sao Paulo here. This band has been going since 2010. That band is Nervosa. I've played Nervosa before. Um, I was never a huge fan prior to the big split. You know, I'm sure... You know what I'm talking about. Um, they've had kind of a revol- revolving door of drummers. Um, I think they had a different singer in the beginning, but they kind of had a stable lineup with the bass player and singer, uh, Fernanda, for a while there. And then they kind of s- finally had kind of settled in on a drummer. And um, and then out of nowhere, the bass player vocalist, Fernanda, and the drummer, Luana, uh, quit just kind of abruptly. And it didn't seem like it was anything... Uh, personal with the guitar player her name's Prika Um, it seemed like it was more of a stylistic thing where they rather than stay kind of more like a classic kind of thrashy band um, I think Fernanda and Luana wanted to do more kind of death metal stuff and uh, there was probably some resistance to that so they just decided to leave and um, that's when I started paying attention because it kind of came as a shock to me as well they seemed like a pretty close-knit group of ladies, and um, yeah, so I kind of followed their progress as both groups um, started to form into other things, basically. So Nervosa kept going um, as a four-piece. They got themselves just a standalone vocalist and uh, bass player, Mia Wallace, who plays bass for Abbott, uh, his solo band, 
she also used to date Tom uh, from Celtic Frost and Trypticon and such, and she was playing bass for that Triumph of Death, uh, Hellhammer, like, you know, I can't even say tribute band because Tom is in it, so it's like, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. That band that Tom is doing where he's just playing the old Hellhammer material, she was playing bass for that for a bit. Uh, they got a Greek drummer, which I knew she'd be the first one to fall. <laughs> just You could just see uh, the amount of travel and such she has to do. Um, so yeah, Nervosa reformed as that four-piece and put out an album, but since then that drummer has quit, which I saw coming a mile away. And they've got a new drummer. But now Mia Wallace has been taking some time off because of uh, just personal reasons. And I think uh, she battles depression and things like that. So she just didn't think the road was a good place for her. So she, as far as I know, is still in the band, but just has not been participating in the most recent tour. They've got somebody else filling in. So it's still a little, a little bit unstable. But um, it was cool to see Preka because she seems like a genuinely nice person. Um, be able to put the pieces back together and keep Nervosa going. I'm still not the biggest fan in the world or anything, but um, but it was it's cool to see that you know she was able to keep it going. I think they do need a second guitar player though. Her rhythm guitar playing skills are are great. She writes some good riffs, but yeah, her solos are very um, simple, very simple. <clears throat> like she just doesn't seem like a natural lead guitar player. I feel like having a second guitar player could help them out with harmonizing and having some little better solos in there maybe but um but yeah this new album the production's really clear and solid and heavy uh the new vocalist is great um she's from spain i believe they're kind of from all over the place i think prika also moved from brazil to europe i think she lives in germany now just to make it easier for all the travel for everybody uh in the band which is crazy because she loves brazil she's very proud to be brazilian so the fact that she left brazil to move for her band basically is uh, is pretty wild but anyways let's cut to the chase here they put out four records um this most recent one as i said is the first one with the new lineup came out in january of 2021 it's called perpetual chaos and that came out through napalm records and uh, i've played one or two of the like singles that they released with music videos and stuff like that so this one's a bit of a deeper cut but it's a really cool song so here we go off of perpetual chaos this is nervosa with godless prisoner
All right. That was Nervosa with Godless Prisoner. Uh, now I'm going to show you the flip side of that coin. And, of course, the other two ladies that left uh, Nervosa in the band that they started. So this is the band started by Fernanda and Luana. The band's called Crypta, and they formed it in 2019 after they left. And it's clear that they wanted to take things in a more death metal direction. Um, and they did. They do have two guitar players, so it's a four-piece, which is a, an upgrade on Nervosa there. Because, uh, like I said, you know, I think Nervosa would benefit from being able to harmonize and have some trading solos and things like that. And Crypta does all of that. Um, the one thing that I found weird is that, you know, Crypta... Um, leans more to the death metal side, but Fernanda's vocal delivery has only gotten higher instead of lower. It's not a low death metal voice. She sings in a high, screechy, almost Danny Filth type voice, or like Chuck from uh, from Death when he sang on the Sound of Perseverance album, and it was just that high, high delivery. Uh, she sings like that now, so that's a little bit different, but it must just be more comfortable for her at this point. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, even visually, like, they don't go for the ripped jeans and t-shirts, you know, thrash look like they had in Nervosa. It's all leather everything with straps and chains and buckles and big boots and totally different look. Um, but yeah, it's been successful. They put out this debut album called Echoes of the Soul in June of 2021 through Napalm Records. So that's their, uh, they're on Napalm Records just like Nervosa, which is kind of cool. But yeah, it consisted of, you know, Fernanda and Luana and they recruited a, a Brazilian guitar player and then uh, a Dutch guitar player, and just like the drummer for Nervosa being Greek, and I was like, I don't think she's going to last. Uh, same thing with this one. I knew, you know, her name's Sonia. She's really talented, but I'm like, it's not going to last with her being the only one not in Brazil. And uh, so for studio time and stuff, she'd have to fly in from the Netherlands to record her solos, but she did. She was on the album. She was on uh, the music videos and a, a few live performances, one of which they filmed uh, professionally. But uh, eventually she decided to step out and focus on her band that she had going in the Netherlands. So I wasn't surprised by that at all. And they utilized a different uh, guitar player from Brazil for all of their, you know, festivals and tours and things that they've done all throughout this past summer and fall. Um, and they decided to keep her. They extended that invitation and she took it. So I think they're going to be stronger now that they have four permanent members. And, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do moving forward. Plus... <clears throat> Nervosa and Crypta have been doing some festivals uh, together where they're playing at the same festival on the same day and they've just kind of run into each other and from what I've heard it's all been cordial they've you know been just kind of chatting with each other and, and it's been fine like I don't think they're going to be best of friends because I think Prika was pretty heartbroken when the other two left uh, kind of seemingly out of nowhere but um, but I think overall they're still adult enough and cordial enough to be able to have a conversation backstage and stuff like that. So that's cool to, to hear. But um, anyways, here we go off of the debut album Echoes of the Soul. This is Crypta with Shadow Within.
Alright, that was Crypta with Shadow Within off of Echoes of the Soul. That record is really cool because all the songs kind of have their own character. Like, there's no filler songs, there's no songs that sound exactly like each other. Um, it's a pretty strong record there. Alright, we're going to Lima, Peru. And uh, this is a four-piece black metal band that's been going since 2000. They've done some demos, they've done some splits. They only have one full-length album that came out in 2015. But that band is Goat Semen, and like I said at the at the top of the episode here, I get it. Like these bands want to be as shocking as possible and really just uh, offend uh, their oppressors, so to speak. And um, <clears throat> I'd say that name will do it. But um, I don't even remember where I came across them, but I listened to their demo from 2003, and it's actually for a demo, it's pretty well produced, but it's still quite raw. Um, but it's just self-titled. It's just called Goat Semen Demo 2003. <clears throat> and it got a release, though. I want to say it was on cassette um, through Devil's Arts Productions. And it's pretty good. Um, I have not actually heard their full length, which is kind of funny that I've only heard the demo and not heard the actual album. But um, but no, it's actually pretty good. The production's pretty thick. It's pretty chaotic. But it's some good uh, South American black metal here. So... Not much else to say because, frankly, I don't know much else about this band. So here we go off of their 2003 self-titled demo. This is Goat Semen with Sodom Graves.
All right, there we go. I think that's pretty damn cool. That was goat semen from Peru with Sodom Graves. All right, we're going to Colombia here. This is a three-piece, kind of thrashy, speed metal, kind of has a classic vibe to it. Um, this band's been going since 92, and they're still active now. I want to say they only have one original member left, but um, it hasn't really altered their sound much at all. The band is called Witch Trap, and um, I've played them before, actually. I think I played something off of their fourth album, um, but I'm going to play something off the third album now. They've got five total, uh, which considering that they've been around since 92, that's not a ton, but um, there's been some gaps, you know, in between releases and, <clears throat> and all that kind of stuff, but... The releases have always been solid, but they, like I said, they kind of have a classic, usually have a fairly classic production and just a classic sound to their riffs. It's not just full throttle thrash. There's some real kind of speed metal, um, classic metal vibes in there as well, but uh, it's really good. They're one that I really had not heard of before until I get probably within the past year. Honestly, I know I played them uh, on an episode within the past year, I'd say, probably shortly after discovering them. But um, but no, it's really good. Definitely worth adding to the repertoire if you're into this uh, this style. So here we go. I'm going to play something off the third album. Came out in 2012 called Vengeance Is My Name. Came out through Dirty Sound Records. And it's a strong one. Um, the debut is decent. The second, third, and fourth albums are the best in my opinion. The fifth album's good, but not quite up to the standard uh, of those previous three, I would say. It's just my opinion. So yes, off of the third album, Vengeance Is My Name, this is Witch Trap with Put To Death.
All right, there you go. That was Witch Trap from Columbia with Put to Death. Um, really good riffing, really good vocals, honestly. Like that style, it kind of uh, harkens back to that early, early creator stuff, like I mentioned earlier. Um, all right, we're going back to Brazil here. And this is a five-piece that's been going since 81. And, um, I mean, I couldn't tell you how much of the original lineup is still in this band, but uh, they are still going. That band is Volcano, and that's one that I had heard of for years and years. Like, even when I was in high school, um, never checked them out. Don't know why. <clears throat> I think maybe I saw the logo. That's how <laughs> That's how ridiculous some metal fans can be. Saw the logo, and it was just kind of a shitty logo. So I was just like, yeah, I didn't even bother checking the band out. And they're great. I mean, they've got 12 records. Um, I'm going to play something off the debut. The debut I love because of the vocals. The vocals have so much verb on them, but it it's just great. I don't know. It, it just sounds like mid-'80s metal, and that's exactly what it is. So the debut came out in 86 uh, called Bloody Vengeance, and that came out through Rock Brigade Records. But uh, like I said, they got 12 records now, and they're all pretty good. But yeah, there's something to be said about the first maybe two or three albums of theirs uh, being just a little bit different. But this just, I love it. It's it's just mid-80s, dirty-sounding, thrashy metal. I don't know. But um, they're a band that I'm glad I finally checked out. I can't, I can't remember when I finally did, but uh, it, it was worth it for sure. So I regret not checking them out whenever I first uh, became aware of them way back in the day. So here we go off of their classic debut album, Bloody Vengeance from 86. This is Volcano with Spirits of Evil. <laughs>
There you go. How about that bass tone? That was Volcano from Brazil with Spirits of Evil. Um, I love it. That's one that it's like, don't ever remix and remaster that because it's fine. <laughs> it's fine how it is, I promise. Uh, all right, we're staying in Brazil here. This is a three-piece that is actually no longer active. They existed from 97 to 08, and they were as straight-up black metal as you can get. Not black metal, death metal. What am I saying? They were a pure death metal band for sure. Uh, the band is Abhorrence, and they <clears throat> only put out one album in 2000 called Evoking the Abomination, and that came out through Evil Vengeance Records. But yeah, super thick, heavy, a lot of low-end, very fast um, tempos, a lot of really blasphemous lyrics, and they really kind of sound like Chrissian. You know, they're, they're Brazilian brothers there. Uh, they sound a lot like Chrissian they kind of have some, you know, vibes of like um, Perdition Temple would be a, like a more modern band that kind of has this same kind of relentless style. But it's really good. Um, it's a shame that they're not still going, but uh, this one album was a very good album. So <clears throat> I can't really say much else. Some of the bands earlier in the episode I, I know more about, so I can kind of keep talking. But yeah, some of these bands in the middle, I'm not as... Uh, intimately familiar with them, so uh, I keep the introductions a little more brief here. Keep things rolling, you know. So here we go, off of their only album, Evoking the Abomination from the year 2000. This is Abhorrence with Triumph in Blasphemy. <laughs> Thank you. 
right, there we go. That was Abhorrence from Brazil with Triumph in Blasphemy. Uh, that's a great record, and I even hear some some deicide, you know, in their in their riffing. So I'm about to frisbee this goddamn laptop out the window because uh, occasionally, while I record these episodes, the program will crash once, maybe twice, while I'm recording. So that's why I just save and save often. Uh, this thing, I'm I mean, I'm ten songs in, not even ten songs in, and it's crashed five times on me, and I've had to record some of these intros two or three times. Uh, to get through it, and my voice is already not holding up spectacularly well, so I'm getting pretty pissed off here at having to redo these things over and over again, but it's a labor of love, my people. I will do it for you, but the frustration builds. All right, we're going to Chile here. I'm going to keep this one short because I already introduced this one once, and I had a much longer introduction, and then it crashed on me, so now I kind of have a fuck it mentality and I'm going to keep it a little shorter here for this one so this band has been around since 85 and they went until 92 and then they reformed in 2009 and they're still going now and that is Pentagram so they go by Pentagram Chile now they include the country name in their band name Uh, as of 2013 I believe they changed it just to eliminate any confusion between them and the American Doom band Uh, But they've only got a couple of original members left, but they're still going strong here. They just did a split uh, back in 2020, I think, is the most recent thing they've done. But they only have one full-length album. There's a lot of smaller releases, demos, and EPs, and things like that. Uh, But they only have one full-length album that came out in 2013. It's called The Malefice, and that came out through um, Cyclone Empire Records. And I've played something off of it before, uh, but I'm going to play a different tune off of it now. It's a great record. Uh, They kind of follow suit with some of these other South American bands on this episode that are kind of thrashy, but it's kind of raw, and it's kind of got some blackened vibes in there, but it's hard to really pin down what exact genre they are. Um, But it's really good. The vocals are great. The riffing is great. And uh, if they're a band that you haven't really checked out, um, it's definitely worth your time, even though they don't have a lot of like full-length releases out there. Um, you can find a lot of their stuff on YouTube, so just check it out. So here we go. From Chile, off of their only album up to this point, The Malefice, this is Pentagram Chile with Spontaneous Combustion.
All right, there we go. That was Pentagram Chile with Spontaneous Combustion. That's a great record. Um, I think it's on Spotify, too. I've listened to it on there uh, on occasion. All right, who's in the mood for some true Peruvian black metal? <laughs> so this band's been going since 93, uh, which blew my mind to see that, that they've been going uh, that long. Uh, they only have three albums. Uh, I want to say they came out in 04, 06, and then 2011, I think, were the three. So the fact that they've been around since 93, but it took them 11 years to release an album uh, is pretty telling there. They've got a lot of little short demos and rehearsal demos and things like that prior to uh, to that first full length. Uh, the, bland, the band is Black Angel, and I'm going to play something off of their second album, which the first album is really raw. Second album is equally as raw, but to me hasn't even, like thinner production but not in a bad way like I don't know somehow it suits the music even better <clears throat> kind of like Dark Throne how they had Blaze in the Northern Sky and then they kind of took it to an even more kind of thin and, and and tinny sounding you know uh production with uh with Under a Funeral Moon so it's kind of like that trajectory here <clears throat> the second album I'm going to play something off of it it's from 2006 called Beyond from Beyond and it says it was released independently. Um, I don't. I meant to check actually if they're still an independent band or if they have been uh, releasing things under a label in more recent years. But uh, at the time of this release, at least, uh, they were releasing it independently. So yeah, second album. It would take them another five years after this to release the third, and then they haven't really done a whole lot since then. But um, very primitive, very straightforward. Um, it's just meant to be ugly music. It's very clear. There's not a whole lot of atmosphere trying to be created. Um, they just come at you with primitive <laughs> primitive rawness for this entire album. So here we go, off of their second album, Beyond from Beyond. This is Black Angel with Temple of Wisdom. Oh 
All right, there we have it. That was Black Angel from Peru with Temple of Wisdom. We're going back to Brazil here. This band is still going, but they only have one original member left. Uh, they formed in 89. That band is Mystifier, and um, their first few albums are kind of really hailed as classics, and they are quite good. Um, I'm going to play something off the debut. They have five records in total, so they released three in the 90s, uh, and then there was one in 2001. And then after a long, long hiatus, um, or not a hiatus, but just a gap, they finally released another one in 2019. I've played something off of the second album, Geisha, before. That one's kind of uh, considered to be their best by many. I'm going to play something off the debut this time. Um, although the title of their third album is one of my favorite album titles ever. It's so stupid, and it just cracks me up every time. It's called, The World is So Good That Who Made It Doesn't Live Here. All of that is the, is the album title, and it's, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, but no, I'm going to play something off the debut that came out in 92. It's called Wicca, and that came out through Heavy Metal Maniacs Records. And um, this one, <clears throat> I kind of view them almost like Samael from Switzerland with their first couple of records having a real distinct you know kind of style there and then they kind of shifted after that not in the same direction of course as Samael but like the the darkness and the kind of almost magical vibe of the first couple of Samael records kind of shifted to something else after that so that's kind of how I feel about the first like two Mystifier records and even from the debut to the second album there's a, a shift there you can tell but uh, yeah, for the time in 92, I consider this to be pretty pretty unique and just pretty dark and pretty cool. So here we go off of the 1992 debut album Wicca. This is Mystifier with The Dark Kingdom.
There we go. That was Mystifier from Brazil with The Dark Kingdom. Yeah, very thick, very heavy, very raw. I love it. I think the production's even better on that one uh, than on the second album, in my opinion. But, uh, all right, we're going to Lima, Peru once again. This band has been going since 92, and this is the second time I'll be doing the intro for this song because the program crashed on me for a sixth time during the recording of this episode. Ridiculous. Um... The band is Anal Vomit, and um, we've already had Goat Semen, now we got Anal Vomit, but no, don't let the name fool you. This is uh, very over the top, as you can tell, but at the heart of it, this is a great band with great music, and uh, a lot of people, I think, would probably overlook them because of the name, because sometimes that stuff can really work against you when you're so over the top with album covers and name and song titles that sometimes it'll make people just pass right by, and uh, they might miss out on some really good stuff here. But as I said, they've been going since 92. They didn't release a full length until 2005. Pretty good length of time there. Uh, they've released four up to this point. Uh, I'm going to play something off the debut. The album is called Demoniac Flagellations, and that came out in 05 um, through From Beyond Productions. But um, <clears throat> I really like just how raw and chaotic and just short and sweet and to the point their music is. And... Um, I love that they kind of mix in, lyrically they'll have album titles, not album titles, but like song titles um, in Spanish and some are in English and they just kind of have a good blend uh, of the two languages in their stuff. But um, it's great. So yeah, if you've passed them by simply because of the band name or things like that, uh, you're missing out. It's definitely worth, worth checking out. So here we go from Lima, Peru, off of their debut album, Demoniac Flagellations. This is Anal Vomit with Sendero Siniestro. Sendero Yeah, yeah. 
All right, this episode is officially dead to me because the computer crashed for a seventh time after I just did a full, like, three-minute intro of this next band, so fuck that. I'm not doing another three minutes here. Next band is a three-piece out of Brazil, been going since 1990. That band is Chrisian. Uh, all three members are brothers, which was news to me. I thought two of them were brothers and the third one was a cousin. I knew they were all related. But uh, I actually was reading that they're all three brothers, but the singer slash bass player chooses to use his father's surname instead of his mother's. So they're actually all three brothers, but they just have slightly different uh, ways of displaying their last name. Um, They've got 12 albums. I'd say the earlier stuff was a lot more fast and furious, but not quite as memorable. It's very impressive performances, but just not quite as memorable. But I'd say from 2010 onwards, they've kind of peppered in some slower songs and uh, more mid-tempo songs that kind of uh, help to break up the album a little bit and and uh, are a little more, you know, uh, memorable as a result. So I'm going to play something off of an album called Forged in Fury that came out in 2015. That's their 10th album out of 12. They actually just released their 12th this year. Uh, but that came out through Century Media Records. But this one, I mean, it's not slow or anything like that, but it's um, it's definitely one of the more memorable ones on the album. Production is always thick and heavy and crystal clear and all that, um, so that's no surprise there. But um, yeah, this is a good record, and I, like I said, all the stuff I'd say from 2010 onwards has had a little bit more variety in it to where I can get into it a bit more. But they're still not one of my favorites, but they are fun to listen to on occasion for sure. So here we go, off of 2015's Forged in Fury. This is Chrissian with Dogma of Submission.
All right. Sorry for the delay there. I needed to make sure I hit record on that. <laughs> so that was Crisian from Brazil with Dogma of Submission. So you kind of see where I'm coming from there. They still had some really fast, you know, blasting sections in there, but uh, there was some, you know, more mid-tempo kind of chunky parts in there that I think uh, break up the song really well and break up the album really well. So uh, their new one's actually really good. Uh, I think it's called Mortem Solace is uh, the name of the new album, but that one's actually got some good variety on it. Uh, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by that. All right, we got a couple more here. We're going to Columbia. This is a four-piece band that's been going since 02, and it's one that I've never heard of uh, in doing some research for the episode just to kind of find a few extra bands to, to plug in here. I was Googling, like, you know, what's some of the best extreme metal out of South America, and this band came up, and I hadn't heard them before, but there's a lot of dissection kind of influence in here. Very Swedish-sounding band um, with some very melodic guitar work. The band is called Enter Hell. And they released a debut album in 2009, but have not really released much since then. So now here we are. Eight years later, they released an EP in August of 2017 called Ten Years of Sorrow. And that was released uh, independently from what I saw. It's on their Bandcamp page. That's where I purchased it from. Um... But it's great. All the songs are, you know, around seven minutes, eight minutes, you know, but they're uh, they're not too long. They don't drag on, but there's some pretty exciting guitar work going on in here. Um, vocals are good as well, but I think the guitar work is really kind of the star of the show here. But um, this one stood out to me as uh, just being a cut above uh, the others on the EP. So if you're like me and you've never heard of them before, hopefully uh, this is a pretty good taste of their sound. And if you dig it, you'll go to their band camp and, uh, and support. So... Here we go off of their 10 Years of Sorrow EP from Columbia. This is Enter Hell with The Anti-Logic of Order. Yeah. 
All right. There we go. That was Enter Hell from Columbia with the anti-logic of order. Really good. I mean, right out of the gate, you get some Marduk kind of vibes, you know, with that opening riff. But uh, some really good melodic guitar work there. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have made it once again. It has been a struggle, both with the voice and the goddamn computer. But we made it here. So uh, final song of the episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed um, this theme. I enjoyed putting it together because there are a lot of people, you know, I think I think overall metal fans are pretty open-minded people, but there are some people that just feel like, well, all the best death metal comes out of the U.S. or all the best black metal comes out of Europe, and they just kind of overlook or ignore scenes from like South America and Asia. Asia has a pretty um, interesting scene going on with some good bands. So yeah, I mean, if you're one of those people that maybe just kind of didn't give South American, you know, bands the time of day, of course, Latin America has a scene all its own. So I could, I could do a whole other episode on just Latin America, Central, like not Latin America, but Central America, I mean. Um, yeah, Central America and Mexico um, has a scene all its own, honestly, but uh, I hope this kind of opened your eyes a little bit to some of these bands and some of the variety uh, that you can get from that continent, because it's worth it's worth listening to. It's worth your time, you know. <clears throat> so, hope you enjoyed it. I should be back in two weeks with uh, a regular episode. Not sure when I'll do another themed one uh, yet, but uh, a friend of mine already threw out a pretty good idea <laughs> that I might keep in the back pocket. So yes, of course, South American, we're going to finish here with one of the biggest of the bunch out of Brazil. Been going since 84, that would be Sepultura. And I'm going to play something from the uh, the older classic albums. Um, but I've gone on record as saying that I'm a fan of their more recent records as well. The stuff in the middle, like I applauded them for, for kind of always being ambitious, always trying different stuff. But it hasn't always worked. Like, they're real new metal stuff. Like, Roots is a shit album. I don't care what anyone says. It is a garbage record that just sounds like you threw some tribal drums over a corn record, and it's trash. I don't care what anyone says. But the follow-up, even though I like Derek Green, I like his voice, uh, the album Against is also crap. Um, Nation is mostly crap. <laughs> I mean, Roarback was a step in the right direction, and then by the time they got to that Dante uh, album. I thought they were kind of back on track and still kind of had a modern sound, but brought back some elements, some faster elements and stuff. But I've always been a fan of Derek Green, and uh, I've always applauded them for basically just doing whatever they want. They don't really seem to follow any sort of outside influence of what people want them to do. They just kind of create what they create. <clears throat> um, I don't like the Cavalera Brothers. I've said this before as well. Because they could quite easily, like the, the defense I always hear for them, because they always talk shit about their former band, about I don't know why they keep going or why they keep using the name, it just seems ridiculous. Well, they keep using the name because you both quit. So you can't quit and expect them to change the name afterwards. Like if you want to preserve the legacy of Sepultura, then maybe stay in the band and fire all of them. You know what I mean? Like... If you really wanted to, but no, both of them quit. And and Igor is even more confusing because he talks shit about his former band. And it's like, dude, do you not remember that you stayed? Like your brother quit and you stayed for another ten years after that. So it's like you can't you can't talk shit about them continuing on when you were a part of that. Um but what gets me the defense I hear for that is like, well, these these media people just keep asking them questions of what do you think about the new Sepultura, blah, blah, blah. And my response to that is, yeah, you could go into it, start that interview by saying, I'm not going to answer any questions about my former band. 
uh, they're doing their thing. I'm doing mine. I'm just not going to talk about it. Uh, or if some, if somebody presented them unexpectedly with a question, they could say no comment. I'm not going to talk about that today, but no, they jump at every opportunity, especially max to kind of shit on the old band. But it's like, dude, you quit. Like what, (laughs) like how can you even have an opinion on this when you left? Um, so no, I don't think they should have changed their name or they should have put the band to rest and started something else. Like, no, like Andreas has put just as much into that and as anybody. So, I mean, they deserve to keep it going. And frankly, the last few records they've put out have been better than anything I've heard out of Max, um, with Soulfly and things like that. Cavalera Conspiracy, I don't enjoy that either, but... Then, of course, you got the Cavalera brothers kind of touring, playing nothing but the old Beneath the Remains and Arise uh, material, which, of course, was uh, well-received by people because they love those albums. But um, it's really turned into this, like, us versus them, where a lot of fans were just like, I'm not going to see that new Sepultura. I'm going to see the real Sepultura play the old stuff, you know? It's like, yes, they're they're the real Sepultura, and they they both quit. Um... But no, I, I really like the last few Sepultura records, and uh, I'm going to defend them to the death. But, of course, my love for the newer Sepultura camp, especially their current drummer, Eloy, um, that doesn't, you know, take away from the fact that I like the old records too, of course. You know, I just kind of have an issue with the brothers themselves, but the old records, I think the first record, first two records, frankly, get a bit overrated. Um... I, there's nothing I hear on the first record that blows me away. Uh, Schizophrenia has some cool riffing going on, but it, to me their sound hadn't quite solidified yet. And it wasn't until the third album, Beneath the Remains, that they really started sounding tight and confident and really kind of pushing the limits and finding their sound uh, fully. And to me, you know, Beneath the Remains and Arise and parts of Chaos AD are kind of the sweet spot uh, for those old records. So I'm going to play something off of Beneath the Remains. That came out in uh, April of 89 through Road Racer Records, which I believe was like a subsidiary of Roadrunner. And uh, so, like I said, third album out of 15 uh, they're up to now. I don't include that Sepulchorta uh, covers album that they put out during the pandemic. Um, that's listed as a full length, but since it's all covers, I'm not including that. <clears throat> so yeah, 15 records up to this point. But yeah, this one is uh, when they got Scott Burns doing the mixing and everything. Um, And so it was the first one that really sounded good. Uh, The songs were chaotic, but like performed very skillfully and very tightly. And um, the production only helped to reflect that even more. But uh, by the time they got to Arise, they were at like Slayer levels of, of tightness and speed and everything like that. So this still kind of had that subtle little looseness to it but things were still a lot tighter than they were on the first two records but um great songs memorable songs and uh the drumming's great vocals are great but um yeah i think the production really shines here so so yes hope you guys enjoyed this episode and can uh, appreciate some good south american metal here so i'll see you guys in two weeks with another episode until then cheers this is sepultura with lobotomy